Welcome to Gleaner Talk. I'm Steve Vestownit, Gleaner Editor. From time to time, we'll be sharing an interview or other thoughts that we believe are of value to Seventh-day Adventist members throughout the Pacific Northwest and maybe even beyond. Today, I'm here with someone who's relatively new in the saddle at the North Pacific Union Conference. Rob Lang, who was for many years the Oregon Conference Youth Director, and then he worked in a similar capacity in the southern states, he's returned. And with his white velvet assisting him part-time, he's now coordinating ministry throughout the Northwest as the North Pacific Union Youth and Young Adult Director. So Rob, I, I get the clear impression <laughs> that you're excited about the opportunity to help make a difference here. We are jumping into this uh, realizing that the Holy Spirit is doing something in the North Pacific Union. Velvet and I have come because we um, sense that that there is a way to somehow take the experience God has given us over a long period of time in this church we love and taking that experience to help affect Holy Spirit-driven change for the times we're living in. That's humbling. And we come expecting that God's going to do something along these lines. So we're excited and challenged and blessed and humbled in, in all of this. Unpack a little more of what you mean by Holy Spirit-driven change. We don't need to change our doctrine. The treasure of truth that God has given our church is, is treasure. We might need to pull it out of the closet and dust it off for the sake of our young people to actually see what it actually is. But I think changes on how to um, help these young people um, come to terms with their faith, engage in the body life. The most fulfilling part of life is to use those gifts that God has given you in partnership with him. How can we change our culture to allow that to happen more intentionally, more decisively, more effectively than our current static programmatic reality? And, and you can't put everything in a box, but I think predominantly we have a calendar in our local churches, in our conferences, and I'll say even in the union, where we do this meeting on this day, we do this event on that day, and, and those are good. And those are important. But how is the cohesive whole going to come together to help that actual discipleship of that young person, that individual, so that they can see the path clearly, they can see the stepping stones they can take in ways that they can end up as a functioning part of the body of Christ, which again is the most fulfilling part of this life. When did you realize that youth ministry was going to be your, your lifelong passion? From a young age, I came from a small church in South Florida that um, was almost completely retirees. It, it was really at youth ministry events that my, my thinking was blown wide open. In other words, to go to summer camp and see that the reality of my church where I was at was not the sum total of what I was a part of, and to see dynamic things happening and young adult staff that had a faith that I realized I'd like to someday have. Those were powerful influences in my life. So fast forward to college, I started out in a business degree, but I also then worked as a staff at summer camp. And it was during summer camp that the Lord really placed on my heart that the most fulfilling life that I could choose to have would be in this thing called ministry. And at that time, I was experiencing youth ministry. And it was compelling to me. So I changed my major 
decided I'd try theology, and um, and I never looked back. And indeed, uh, the promptings of the Holy Spirit at that time in my life have proven to be true. The most exciting thing we can do with our lives is is this thing called ministry and kingdom building. So, Rob, would you would you characterize youth ministry for you as sort of a spiritual gift? Well, I think God gave me this passion for young people. Um, I credit him for all of that. And I think as I started in ministry, not youth ministry, but ministry, my heart always had a beat for young people. And as I was uh, in the pastorate, I found myself thinking and working in decided ways for our young people and with our young people. And um, that led me to where I am today. But along the journey, it just became more and more clarified that this is the calling, this is the passion, this is the area. And um, we've had a great, great journey, a fulfilled journey. We sense um, the deepest fulfillment in what we're doing in contrast to anything else we could have chosen. A reminder here that you're listening to Gleaner Talk. I'm Steve at Gleaner Editor, and we're talking with Rob Lang, Youth and Young Adult Director for the North Pacific Union Conference. Rob, you and Velvet had many reasons to stay where you were in the South there. You had, you had successful programs going on. You had family connections, et cetera. I mean, it took a while for you to decide to make this change. So why really did you come back here to the Northwest? Yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot of patience in the North Pacific Union Conference in this process, and we saw providence in that. But as we prayed and as we looked at it all, and we ultimately felt that this was a chance to take our experience and apply it in ways that could be helpful at such a time as this. And so while we weren't looking to move, uh, we we're uh, productive and happy. It became clear through prayer and process and and the passage of some time in this process that, that this was the step that would be the most God-honoring step we could take. Here we are. So now that you are in place here in the Northwest, what do you see as the unique focus as you as you move ahead? We very much want to listen and work with existing ministries, um, support, enhance, strengthen the leaders of the important ministries that are uh, currently in place. And I think simultaneously to have that 30,000-foot level kind of overview of how can we collectively and collaboratively be more effective in the area of youth discipleship? How can what we are currently doing, how can we harness uh, children's ministries, adventures ministries, pathfinder ministry, youth ministry, camp ministry, public campus ministries, young adult ministries, how can we collectively, as a team, working in this sector of ministry, be more intentional and be more effective for the Lord in youth discipleship? Ultimately, what that means to me is having young people using their gifts in partnership with the Lord. How can we be more effective in that? So support current programs, evaluate and talk and pray for Holy Spirit movement of effectiveness. Rob, you've said that discipleship, uh, spiritual growth in young people is one of your main goals. So how do you determine if or when that is actually happening? Our metrics currently as an organization are tithe, baptisms. We need to keep measuring those for sure. But when somebody's baptized, is that the end of the vision that Christ has for them? And doctrinally, no, but in practice 
kind of yes. So our practice, I think, has to shift to say, how can we measure the number of people that are using their gifts in a regular way to advance the kingdom of God? How do you measure that? Could we measure that? Would it be God-honoring for us to measure that? How do you measure the Holy Spirit? We can't measure God, but we can measure those that are thriving in the use of their gifts. I'd like to think there's some way to do that. Is there a metric that could be helpful to us in evaluating whether or not Pathfinders, Camp, uh, Youth Ministries is ultimately giving us better outcomes? Is it possible that Pathfinders could be more effective? Is it possible that Camp could be more effective? Is it possible that youth ministries in the local church could be more effective? And I think the answers to all of this is, of course, yes. That is possible, but if we're not looking at that and talking about that and we're just doing those static programs without the outcomes being clearly in focus and measured, then that, that's where we have our cultural realities playing out without the intentionality that, that this work really deserves. Having said that, I'm looking in the mirror and saying this to myself. This is not a criticism of our church. This is a looking in the mirror and an assessment. And I think the union is a place where that can happen. You know, our church, like any other organization, has a lot of different groups. It's got departments that are siloed. We can get so busy with our individual group goals and our identities that we sometimes can fail to work together on a common mission. So with your role here, Rob, do you do you hope to help create more synergy among conferences, youth projects to kind of break down some of those silos? Yeah, I think there's a chance um, that in this role that you can identify best practices, and, and that's a collaborative conversation, and then you, you network and share those things. I believe God wants us to all get together and talk about how are we doing at discipleship. If you go to Nike and you watch them and the intentionality they have in their culture for the outcomes they're looking for, I have to say, in contrast, I'm embarrassed at the lack of intentionality and conversation that I've been facilitating to, to be more effective in, in what our core calling is, which is discipleship. You know, they're doing that for shoes. We're doing this, and, and it has stakes into eternity. It's mind-boggling to think that we, that we could be in a cultural rut, but I wonder sometimes if we are and if there's a way we can actually come back and say, hey, let's get the academy chaplains. They're part of the education sector. Let's have uh, conversations that are broader than just the silo that I'm in. So I, I, I believe God, God is calling us, and I'm humbled by this task, but that God is calling us to, to have comprehensive conversations that include children's ministries, adventurers, pathfinders, youth, camp directors, public campus ministries, young adult ministries, chaplain ministries, representatives from education, because this whole sector is where we're trying to accomplish X, Y, or Z. And there's got to be ways for us to talk about how the Holy Spirit could cause us in our conversations, in our prayer, and our efforts together to be more effective. The growing young projects, uh, the cohorts around the Northwest, they seem to be really moving ahead vigorously and successfully. Ben Lundquist, Oregon Conference Director of Young Adult Ministries, has been leading that charge as well for the North Pacific Union. Do you foresee any changes there? 
Oh, uh, my role is to support Ben, a very, very effective leader, and uh, a broader team working already uh, in a functional way for growing young. Currently, uh, I've been uh, coming alongside and, and, and presenting and training along with them. We want to really look at evaluating how this is playing out and celebrating the good outcomes and, and sharing collaboratively where, where things are really going well to encourage and inspire others to do the same. Growing Young is very important. It's cultural change that our churches would be more receptive, accommodating, and that they would allow young people to, to use their gifts. This is important work. It, it takes time. <laughs> we want it to be done now. We live in a culture where we like things to be instant in nature. That's not the nature of growing young. Growing young is, is a, a process of, of education, a prayer of Holy Spirit um, flowing into those those efforts and agendas. I'm excited about what it can mean. I'm excited, very excited about adults and congregations that want to know the names of their young people. They want to believe in them more than question them. Doesn't mean they shouldn't be questioned at times, but they, they want to have more belief in them than questions in them. And, and they long to see them become active in the fulfillment of their gift use. Some of our members who have not been active in ministry for children or youth for some years may have some misconceptions about what it really involves. I think there's a myth that, um, that young people aren't that interested in the Bible. I believe they are. I believe that truth is so compelling that when they have a chance to immerse themselves in it, they want more. And some might wrongly assume that to attract young people, you've got to entertain them. Yeah, that, that's a myth that has to go away. Do we all want to have our attention grabbed? Yes. <laughs> you know, the myth is that you have to have a certain type of music, you have to have a certain amount of technology, you have to have a certain even budget, let's say. God is so much bigger than the toys that we have. I think also a myth that needs to go away is that while there is a place for youth ministry, setting up silos within the church without integration and without, without a vision for integration is probably one of the worst things we could do. And, and in, in some parts of our history, history, that's what we have done. So some very basic things from your perspective are critical to successful youth ministry. I'll come back to what I was just referring to again, okay. and, that, and that's Bible study. Hmm. Bible study and spiritual growth, uh, prayer. These are things that are essential for spiritual growth. If those aren't there, then there's nothing. So there has to be this spiritual component that is this growth opportunity that exists for them. And it can't be just that. That's sterile in and of itself if it doesn't actually play out to have healthy community where they sense they belong. So a sense of belonging is highly important. And I would add that uh, some sort of shared mission, some sort of purpose that they, that they have together, individually and together, those are things that I think are the most vital aspects of youth ministry. What sort of things within a, a local church can sometimes be toxic, actually toxic, to positive youth ministry? That's where there is a culture that exists that gives the signal to young people that they're not ready yet, that they have to wait until some other time in their life before they can contribute. 
they many times feel like they are in they're in this holding pattern they're 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 just that that's one of the worst things that can happen in other words um you know you're not ready yet nobody's ready you know at some point you're willing to take a step of faith and when they're ready to take a step of faith we need to accommodate them at that point without this unspoken you're not ready yet or we feel like you're ready to pass the offering plate but that's the most creative thing we can think of. It, those are toxic environments because it's it's causing them to question themselves as to why wouldn't I be ready? And it causes there to be this, this, this um, unintended regression, I think, starts to set in. And, of course, one of the, the key thoughts in the Growing Young Cohort Project is for a local church to be willing to, as they say, to give their young people the keys give them the keys. Yeah, that that's that's where you give them real responsibility, where you give them real trust, where you give them uh, a chance to to step up and contribute. Beside all the what and how of youth and young adult ministry, pathfinders, youth rallies, uh, things like growing young projects, etc., describe the why. Why, Rob, is youth ministry an essential part of our mission? To me, it's the Gospel Commission. It's Jesus' parting words. It's, go ye therefore and make disciples. And, and that's why we do it. That, that, that has to be why. It's, we're inviting them to become a disciple, to become an authentic follower, to be a partner with God, to use their gifts for uh, the advancement of the kingdom. Uh, that has to be the why. If that's not the why, then we don't have a movement. We just have a club. College graduates who are now in careers often find themselves floundering in trying to seek church connections. So how and when do we approach making some positive changes in integrating our young adults into our, our, our church family life and our mission? Yeah, may God help us do that. And I believe with conversations, prayer, and intentionality, we can, we can do these things. I believe that. I think, I think somehow our vision has to precede that that time though our vision has to precede when they come back from college now suddenly we're ready for you because their perceptions have already been formed there's a certain cynicism that's already developed so i think it starts earlier i think we have this this holding pattern that has gotten longer and longer and longer and longer and longer just as in the agrarian culture that my dad grew up in north dakota as a farmer he was a man a legitimate man at the age of 14. And he was doing a man's work prior to that. Now, is that too soon? Was that detrimental? I, I don't know. I'm just saying that, that even in our camps now, our insurance policies cause us to say, we really can't let anybody drive anything till they're 21. So the trust or the maturity or the ability to drive even a vehicle is now being prolonged to 21. That's a pretty big holding pattern that's been created. And there's reasons for it. I get that. I, I think we have to have a culture where we're saying to young people, when they're ready, they take the step. When they're ready for this, we've got that. Having those stepping stones available to them when they are choosing to take the step is critical for us. Even having stepping stones for them before they feel like they're ready. So Rob, were you given those opportunities when, when you were growing up? I was 10 or 11 years old, and my dad, having grown up where he grew up, as we went out to our orange grove, he, he said, Rob, today you're going to learn to drive the tractor. I said, well, 
dad, I, I can't even sit in the seat of that big Ford 4000 Major and, and reach the clutch or the pedals. He said, well, you'll see, you're ready. So we get there and he tells me how to stand on the platform off the seat, how to step on the clutch, how to take both hands with all my strength to shift it into gear, how to let that clutch out easy and, and how to drive the tractor. And you know, my third grade or fourth grade peers didn't have any kind of opportunity like that. But I was disking the orange grove. Because why? Because that's what my dad did when he was that age. This is simple. This is doable. I've done it. You can do it. And sure enough, I did it. It's that recognition that, that we can actually engage people you know, I mean, that, that sense of real-time responsibility and that real-time value, that real-time belief, that real-time empowerment. How is our church doing that? How are we doing at that? How willing are we to stand there and teach them how to do it and then allow them to do it? How willing are we? That, that's a real core conversation. The Vision 2020 process that was outlined in our recent Gleaner that talks about local churches engaging with the Gospel Commission, with their communities, with their missing members and evangelistic outreach, all of that. Is that something in which youth and young adults can play an integral part? Absolutely. I think it's just the tractor illustration again. I think they can be effective in every sector of uh, Vision 2020. So, Rob, here's the million-dollar question. If, if a donor walked up to you today with a check for a million dollars, and said, I want you to use this for youth ministry with no strings attached. Uh, how would you like to see those funds used? I think about 25% of it would go into discipleship opportunity programs that are integrated into our existing culture. I would say about another 25% would likely go towards uh, leadership development, helping young people whose faith has been established that has that foundation Take the next step, which is, okay, how am I going to lead through who I am and make a difference with my life now? I think leadership development is critical, and I, I, I would put a, a good portion there. I, I think the remaining 50% would, would go to innovative ministries where young adults are empowered to pray and come up with innovative strategies that would reach their peers, engage their peers in the movement of Adventism. Those 21-year-olds that we hesitate to allow to drive a conference vehicle are light years ahead of us in knowledge and expertise in the digital age we live in, and, and we need to find a way to empower them now. And funding would, would help that. If they understand their faith, and they have that foundation, if they understand their gift set, and then they come together and pray for, for innovative ways to advance and fulfill the mission of the Adventist Church. What would be more exciting than that? So tell us about Rob Lang. Help us understand where you personally are coming from. Well, first of all, I'm a sinner that needs a Savior, okay? We're all in the same boat. I want to be authentic uh, to the youth and young adults that I serve that— um, that is who I am, a sinner that needs a Savior and is blessed to have a Savior. Probably the biggest benefit in my life is that, <clears throat> and the reason that I'm involved in the church myself, is because there were people who, who believed in me, 
and believed in me when I shouldn't be believed in. Um, my dad, when I learned to drive the tractor, and in many other ways, <clears throat> my dad uh, in the formative years, a young pastor by the name of Gordon Retzer, who when I was 11, asked if I would help him preach the sermon on Sabbath at this little tiny retirement church in South Florida and said, just choose your favorite Bible character. Tell us what you think we can all learn from that person's life. Spoke on Elijah and was scared to death. Was I ready? No. Did somebody believe I could make a difference? Yes. Would I have ever done it in a million years without somebody tapping me on the shoulder and asking me? No, there is no chance. Now there's power when we tap young people on the shoulder and we say, I see something in you. How would you like to do X, Y, or Z? There's power in that place. I've been blessed to have people through my entire career that have done that. What is one of those watershed moments uh, in your life that, that helped tip the scales in a positive direction? I was graduating from high school and I was dating a, a really pretty girl who didn't have a very good reputation. And all my friends, we, um, we graduated on a Saturday night. And um, afterwards, our plan, now that we're free, we're 18, we're adults, can do what we want, was that we were going to go out to the beach and spend the night. And there likely, for my parents, was great concern in this. So here's what my mom does. She's all of five feet tall, maybe. After we're done and after the handshakes and the presents and the and we're ready to go to the beach almost. And my mom comes up to me and she puts my, her hands on my shoulders and she looks up at me and she says, I just want you to know I believe in you. I trust you. And she kissed me on the cheek with a smile on her face. <laughs> so you're on the beach that Saturday night in circumstances that I think we can all remember hormones flowing in the ways they flow and all of that. And I could not ever betray the trust of my mom. Why? What was it? Uh, she believed in me. So, you know, the church has this most prized possession. The church needs to be more like my mom, more like that young pastor, more like my dad more like the youth director who, um, at the end of my first summer at camp, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Rob, have you ever thought about ministry? It, it's those kinds of things that shape a life. Those are the kinds of things that have blessed my life. Uh, that's who I am. I am the sum total of people believing in me. I sense that God is working in and through all of this for his purposes. And that's greatly fulfilling to me at this point. So five years from now, Rob, if the Lord hasn't come yet, where do you envision our youth ministry work to be? I hope and pray that this growing young movement has traction. And because if it does, uh, the church is going to be more like my mom. Um, that's, that's the outcome, you see. It's going to be more like my dad. It's going to be more like a healthy young pastor. That, to me, is um, what I would hope would be happening. I, th I think the net result of that is that there are more young adults and senior youth and junior youth, and they are being invited into doing things, into growing. See, if they're growing, they're, they're really probably not going. 
I think that's why I'm still here. And it's because somebody had a mustard seed to, to believe in me. I could tell you stories about myself during those early years that would tell you that it was a miracle that they believed in me. That mustard seed's real. Okay, give me an example. So we were in third grade and, you know, we were fairly imaginative and, and, and I guess somewhat innovative, but mostly mischievous, I suppose. Um, but we had a one, one room school we had a brand new teacher, probably about six foot two and weighed about 130 pounds, maybe. He would lean against a big pine tree outside the classroom during recess. I remember saying, wouldn't it be awesome if we could have recess, recess all day? Well, that's a very popular concept among my peers. We found a rope out behind um, the maintenance shed of this little church school. And um, I mean, the school had, um, you know, like, 10 students in it, and um, we found a rope, and we decided to sneak up behind the tree, and one person held the rope down low, and the other ones started running around the tree, and we actually tied our teacher to the tree, and we had recess all day until we realized that we had an impending problem because before too long, our parents were going to be coming. We hadn't thought ahead, how does this play out? (laughs) So we went and talked to the teacher and we said is it possible that if we untie you 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 won't tell our parents about it and he said that's a deal the last message he wanted the parents to know is that the school was out of control but he never told our parents he also never stood by the tree like that again there was plenty of reasons not to believe in me well yes indeed and and a lot of reasons to believe in the one who works in all of us as imperfect vessels uh, to his glory so so as you see it Successful youth ministry here in the Northwest will have at its center a simple but dynamic experience, as you might say it, of discipleship and personal spiritual growth. When Jesus said, go you therefore make disciples, I don't think he was thinking about a really long, extended, protracted experience. Because how in the world can we accomplish this task if that's what it is, you know? It's not advanced education and then multiple degrees and pathfinders and all these. He didn't say go and do all of that. He said go and make disciples. So then when a young person says, yeah, I want to be a follower, help me know what that is. We need to be able to, in real time, say this is what you can do. We have to shorten the cycle somehow. And 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 Velvet and I would invest uh, huge amounts of ener- energy and, and time to develop that. There has to be a way that we can have those stepping stones that, that are ready in real time. Not, not, not like, well, you know, you'll get that in that college class in six years. The, this, this whole concept of, of, of the fact that at some point people have to get off milk and get into the meat is really what I'm talking about when I'm talking about discipleship. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean that you get a fork full here and a fork full there and then another week you get another fork full it, it means that you you start really consuming and and get to this place where you have a faith foundation that is established in in a relatively uh, timely fashion this is gleaner talk our guest today was rob lang he's north pacific union conference youth and young adult director and From time to time, we'll be sharing an interview or other thoughts that we believe may be of value to Seventh-day Adventist members throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. 
I'm Steve Vistownit, Gleaner Editor, and I hope you'll join me again at some point when we have another opportunity for another conversation together. Mm-hmm.